As a seminarian, I did an internship for six months at Good Shepherd Parish, and one day we had a workshop for parish staff and key volunteers. The man who gave the workshop was a religious brother who traveled across the country giving different kinds of work, workshops to help uh, pastoral ministers to be more effective. And he told us the story of a workshop that he had given. It was focused on discerning one's gifts and using those gifts in ministry. And so he had given a talk about this and asked people to pray and then to write down on this sheet of paper, each person there was supposed to write down their name and a gift that they had been given for ministry. So during a break, he's looking at what people wrote down, he's looking through the list, and one jumped out at him. A woman wrote her name, and where, under the column for gifts, she wrote, the death of my son. So he had to, he had to figure out, he had to find out what her story was. So he was able to talk with her for a bit, and she explained to him her Son had died, I can't remember, I think he was maybe 10 or 11. This was devastating for her, for her husband, for her family. She was um, so sad for a long time. But she, she explained to, to the man that had been giving the, the workshop that, um, that she had experienced consolation of God, that God had actually strengthened her faith over time, that she then felt called to minister to others who had lost loved ones, and that over the years in doing that, she had experienced the presence and the power of God in many life-giving ways. And so she could say of something which on the surface is an unmitigated tragedy, that this actually was something that God used for the good. In the story of the raising of Lazarus, so much of who Jesus is is revealed. In a particular way, his way of seeing things, and, and we can enter into that. We can learn to see things as he sees them. Now, Jesus receives news. Master, the one you love is ill. And twice more in the Gospel account, it describes Jesus as loving Lazarus and his sisters, Martha and Mary. Now, you should ask, well, doesn't Jesus love everybody? <laughs> okay, yes, but it seems he loves certain people in a special way. And we know that there's at least two occasions where Jesus spent time at their house. On one occasion, Martha welcomed him with hospitality, and Mary gave him her full attention. On another occasion, Mary actually anointed his body with a perfumed oil. And so we see that uh, Jesus' Jesus's love is not a generic love. His love is specified by particular interactions with an individual. It's a love that grows through friendship and through reciprocity. The way that Jesus loved as his friends, Martha and Mary and Lazarus, prefigures the way that he loves the saints. And we should want to be like them, friends of Jesus. Knowing him and growing in a loving relationship by spending quality time with him. There's a question that is also is raised several times uh, by different people in the gospel story, which is, why does Jesus wait? Because when Jesus gets the news, Lazarus is sick, but it takes a few days until Lazarus dies. And so the question is asked, right? Martha says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. The crowd says, you know, couldn't Jesus, who gave sight to a blind man, prevented Lazarus from dying? Now, 
Jesus could have prevented Lazarus' death, but he didn't. And he explains that he does what he's doing for the glory of God. He intends to raise Lazarus and for this to be a sign to bring others to faith. And indeed, what does it say at the end? Those people who had come to mourn with Lazarus' sisters, what happened? It says, many of them came to believe. When God waits, when he doesn't answer our prayers on our timeline, we need to have faith that he's doing so for his glory and for our benefit. He knows how events will unfold. We do not. From Jesus' perspective, Lazarus is asleep. In fact, Jesus, not only in the case of Lazarus, but in the case of other people who have died in the Gospels, refers to them as being asleep. And we see this also in the New Testament. So something like death for us seems so permanent, but remember, God's perspective is eternal. And God, simply with a command, right, brings the dead back to life. God does things that are seemingly impossible from our perspective. Our first reading is a prophecy that the Lord gives through Ezekiel. It is given to uh, the Jews while they are in exile in Babylon. And remember that they spent 70 years there. And then after that, uh, King Cyrus allows them to go back to the promised land where they rebuild. And so that was a prophecy even of Jeremiah that in 70 years the people would return. But it was different people in 70 years, right? Because um, many of the people who went into captivity themselves had died. So maybe their children and grandchildren returned. But God is saying, even to those people that died and were buried in Babylon, through Ezekiel, he says this, I will open your graves and have you rise from them and put my spirit in you and settle you upon your land. Another thing we see about Jesus is that he doesn't let fear for his own safety, concern for his own well-being, stop him from doing good. So where are Jesus and the disciples when they receive word that Lazarus is sick? They are 43 miles from Jerusalem. Why are they there? Well, if you read in John's Gospel before this episode, the Jewish leaders tried to kill Jesus. They tried to stone him because of things that he said about his union with the Father and himself. And so when Jesus says to them, we're going to go back to Judea, the disciples say, bad idea, Lord. <laughs> They're trying to kill you. St. Thomas, he says, let us go back with him and die ourselves. Now, one of the problems with the written text is you don't know the tone of voice that he said it in, right? It could have been with great courage. Let us go back and die ourselves. Or it could have been with great resignation. Let us go back and die ourselves, you know? In any event, this is what the disciples believed would happen. In fact, Jesus knew it would happen. And so what we, what we see is, it is the raising of Lazarus that leads to Jesus' death. Because the leaders see that because of this, many are beginning to believe in Jesus. In fact, they also want to put Lazarus to death as well. But Jesus doesn't allow that to stop him from doing good. When Jesus arrives at the scene, people are crying. They're weeping. A Jewish mourning in Jesus' day was very expressive. We are told that Jesus is perturbed and deeply troubled 
and that Jesus weeps. And this shows how fully he shares our human nature. Jesus shares our human emotions. He shares our sorrows. Yes, as God, he knows that in the end he's going to raise the faithful, he's going to make things right, he's going to heal, he's going to restore and give life, but that doesn't mean he's indifferent to our suffering when it happens. doesn't mean he's indifferent to our death. In fact, the Lord mourns because of death. Death is a sign of sin that had entered the world, the rupture of our relationship with God. So Jesus tells them to roll away the stone and they hesitate. And they hesitate for a very practical reason. It's been four days and there will be a stench. So his body must be decomposed, right? A terrible, terrible smell. But there's something else which is more significant about the four days. In the Old Testament, there are three people who, are, who were dead who are brought to life. In the New Testament, Jesus brings three dead people to life and Lazarus is the third. But the difference with Lazarus is all those other people had been dead, dead for a very brief period of time. And the Jews believed that after someone died, that their spirit hovered around their body for three days. But after four days, the spirit goes to Sheol and cannot be reunited again with the body except on the last day. Now, Jesus prays aloud to the Father, and he does so so that everyone around who hears him pray can know that he has been sent by Yahweh. And he prays like this. He says, Father, I thank you for hearing me. I know that you always hear me. And we can pray like that. We shouldn't pray, God, um, I don't know if you hear me. Um, I'm not sure if you're there. I mean, that's a fine prayer for an agnostic. Right? You're, you're Christians. Right? You can pray to the Father as Christ prays. And you should pray that way. It's a prayer both of thanksgiving and of affirming faith. Father, I thank you for hearing me. I know that you always hear me. And then Jesus commands, Lazarus, come out. Now there must have been a great drama because Lazarus didn't come out right away. Right? Remember, Lazarus is put in a cave in the dark. Okay? His body's wrapped with a cloth. His face is wrapped his spirit comes back into his body, and so what's his first sensation is going to be, I'm in the dark and I'm all wrapped up. <laughs> so he's going to kind of, you know, get off the whatever the, the slab he's on, and he's either going to walk like this, or he's going to hop, you know. It's going to take him a few minutes. Everyone's waiting. And then he emerges, right, from the cave. The power of the word of God. Jesus commands Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus comes out. God speaks and makes things happen by his speech. As in the beginning, how God creates everything. He says, let there be light and there is light. He says, let there be life and there is life. And true life is Jesus himself. Not the blood pumping through our veins, not the air in our lungs, not the neurons firing in our brains, but Jesus is life. He says to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. 
Whoever believes in me will never die. In the second reading, St. Paul tells us that we are not in the flesh, rather we are in the spirit. If Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is alive because of righteousness. And then the spirit in Christ communicates to the body that power of life. Our mortal bodies will be given life through his spirit dwelling within us. A final important detail is something else that Jesus says. So Lazarus comes out and what does Jesus say? Untie him. Life in Christ means to be set free from the bondage of sin. Free for what? Free to love and serve. There's a couple legends about what happened to Lazarus after Pentecost. One has him going to Cyprus, one has him going to France. In both cases, Lazarus becomes a preacher of the gospel and a bishop. He was given life and set free by Christ, free to love and to serve. So Jesus asks you today, do you believe that I am the resurrection and the life? Now maybe like Martha, that question comes to you as you are teary-eyed, going through disappointment and difficulty in your life. And perhaps even like her, having been mad at God, saying, Lord, if you had been here, this wouldn't have happened. But hopefully you can say with her, yes, Lord, I've come to believe you are the Christ, the Son of God.